Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Gabriel Talks Football is a production of the Barroom Network. Make sure you follow Greg on Twitter at G-G-A-B-E football and follow the Barroom Network at Barroom Network. If you prefer to see the video version of this show, just go to YouTube and search Barroom Network. You'll see a list of our live shows and Gabriel Talks Football is there. Welcome, Chicago Bears fans from around the world. This is GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia. Before we bring Greg in, just a quick programming night uh, note. Tonight, Buffon 55 will be on at 7 p.m. They usually do their show on Wednesday, but in order to give you people more time to watch it on demand, we decided to go Monday. And then after that, uh, it is the season-ending episode of South Burbs Hitmen, the co-host so that show will lament the terrible season by the Chicago White Sox. There's a lot of lamenting going around. Let's see how uh, Greg Gable is handling the latest loss to, by the Chicago Bears. Greg, you've been lamenting. You've been throwing things. What's been going on? No, that, I'll tell you, though, that one was the hardest one, though. Hmm. I, and just like the Tampa Bay game, that's a game that – in, in the case of Denver, Denver didn't win. In the case of Tampa, Tampa didn't win. Mm-hmm. The Bears lost. You know, so yeah. I mean that, that's on them. I had I when Denver got their their first second half score, I started to get a bit of a bad feeling. Me too. And, and the reason being is, you know, I know I, I work with Sean Payton. He's a, he's a very smart coach. Things aren't going the way he wants this year, but. You know, he's very, very astute. And, you know, you look at, at, at the Chicago secondary, and there was the third team nickel in there and two second team corners in there and a backup safety. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to be licking your chops at that. Indeed. And, and, and it showed up. You know, the defense played relatively well in the first half, but – from about the middle of third quarter on, it showed up. And for some reason, and I guess I'll never know why, the play calling, which was, I thought, through the first two-thirds of the game, pretty darn good, all of a sudden got real conservative. And that was yeah. like, why are you taking your foot off the pedal? Mm-hmm. you got to go into the kill. All right. Yeah, it was uh, indeed some odd play calls in that second half. And I guess we really should start with what many people think was the big play of the game. It's the fourth and one situation. The game is tied. Uh, uh, Iberflus takes a timeout. Uh, and we expect to see Cairo Santos come in and kick the go-ahead field goal with about two Which minutes. Which is what I would have done. I would have yeah. field goal. Take the points and and then hope your defense does something. But if they don't, you still got some time to come back. Yep. Uh, you know that's that's old school thinking, and it's usually right most of the time. That's Take the points. I'm pretty old. 
Yeah, same here. I mean, I've always been a proponent of take the points, take that lead, and and test your defense out. They got a three point lead. So anyway, that wasn't the decision by Matt Eberflus. A surprising decision. He decides to go out there in, out of the shotgun position and run the ball with Khalil Herbert. And then the next two replays are the offensive line. Greg, it's you see here that left guard Cody Whitehair gets stood up almost immediately and Darnell Wright, number 58, the right tackle, gets late to the incoming linebacker and whiffs on him right. completely, and there's just nowhere for Herbert to run. Yeah, there's a combo. It starts off as a combo block where he's chipping on the outside guy that Komet has, and then he's supposed to get to the linebacker. Uh, in fairness, the linebacker shooting. So, I mean, you have to have been Superman to get there. I, personally, I didn't like the play call. You know, a situation like that, um, you know, do a play action and then short pass or, or do an outside run because everybody knows, everybody in the building thinking you're going to go inside. And that's how – if you, you look, they're all slanting towards the middle and, and they're blitzing both linebackers are on a run blitz situation. So mm -hmm. if you, you know, fake it inside and try to go outside, even have Justin go outside, uh, you got a good chance of making that. But that said, I still would have kicked the field goal. Yeah. Tim, I think uh, with this question expresses our frustration. Greg, why does Getsy keep calling these stupid shotgun runs on fourth and short instead of letting your big body quarterback sneak it under center? They've been, they've been awful in these situations. And he adds that whole fourth and short sequence was absolutely atrocious. Coaching either call the timeout and kick the field goal or don't call the timeout and run the play. I don't have a problem so much with them calling the timeout to talk things over. Over. What what do you think? No, I don't have a problem with that either. I mean, especially when you look at, at time left on the clock, you got to get the right situation. It's that you could have taken the lead. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're talking after the fact. Yeah. You know, but who's to say they would have got a touchdown even if they got a first down? Mm -hmm. But they would have taken some time off the clock. That yes. you know that that's for sure. So you know a six of one, half a dozen of the other. Um, coaches said that the co coaching staff's got to live with that one, right? You know, and and uh, but at the same time, players got the defensive players got to be held accountable too. But you know, part of it is like I said, when when you got basically except for Brisker. All reserves in there. Mm -hmm. Another team is going to go after those guys. It's not like Russell Wilson can't play quarterback in this league, All right? And they've got some good receivers. So, uh, yeah, it, it's sad. Is what it is. You know, I thought for sure for about a little over a half a game we we're going to have a nice show today. But <laughs> I thought so too. <laughs> I was really looking forward to it. I, I woke up this too. morning. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. 
So question for you, uh, two weeks ago, you were really down on Justin Fields. Uh, he, and yeah. then last week he didn't do, uh, himself any favors with having a 99 yard effort, uh, uh, against the Kansas city chiefs. But yesterday he really showed his, uh, the possibility of what he can be consistently in this league, 28 out of 35, 335 yards, four touchdowns, that one costly interception, unfortunately. He didn't rush much. Uh, he had four rushes for 25 yards, and he was uh, sacked three times and lost one fumble. Uh, assess the Justin Fields performance from uh, yesterday and tell us, do you think that it is still possible that Justin Fields can prove to the Chicago Bears organization that he is worthy of be, uh, of returning next season as the number one quarterback? Well, I'll answer the last part of your question first, and that is he's got to continue to do that. That can't be a one-game flash. The play calling helped him. You know, they were doing some different things on offense. They're doing some crossing routes and some stuff they hadn't been doing. Mm -hmm. The first three games they were doing yesterday, which was nice to see. Um, I, I commented on X yesterday. I said, you know, it's almost been like seven on seven and, and the defensive seven isn't there. That's how wide open the receivers were. You know, yeah. so uh, and, and that was nice to see. It was refreshing. And he was spreading the ball around. They were all getting touches. Mm -hmm. you know, but Komet and, and DJ had especially good games. Uh, Justin got the ball out of his hand quickly. Uh, he showed poise. Uh, he threw with accuracy. I mean, his, his passing was pinpoint. I mean, shit, he completed 16 passes in a row. Mm -hmm. You know, and which, which turned out to be a uh, a record, and then he, the incompletions a hail mary. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's I, right. I think he came out, and then the first in the second half, I think the the first three through in the second half were complete. So throw out that hail mary, he was close to twenty in a row, and mm. then you know the roof caved in. And I, like I said, I think I, I posted on X. I said. You gotta don't get conservative. You gotta stay aggressive, and they did anyway. They got too damn conservative. I thought. What do you think about Cornelius's comment here? He, he writes, "It's hard to have a franchise quarterback when the coaching is bad." Well, I mean that, that that's a good comment, but hey, some of this has been on the field. Let's be fair. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he has not played well. You know, you think from, from year second year in the system, from year two into year three, he's going to take a step. Things that were weaknesses last year you thought would turn into at least semi-strengths this year, and that hasn't been the case. So right. some of it is on him. Could some of it be coaching too? Of course, the play calling has a lot to do with it, especially if it's not creative and, and, and you're doing things that is expected by the defense. So they're, mm -hmm. they're ready for it, and it's going to make anybody look poor. Yeah. 
couple of similar comments I want to read to you. Mike Ibsen says, Justin has to play well against a good defense, not against the garbage defense. Uh, Denver tried it out Sunday. Let's see how he does against Ron Rivera on Thursday. And then James follows that up with Denver's given up 70 the week before. So be prepared for Justin to regress against Washington. And that leads to my question is, was there really improvement from Justin Fields? Or is this Denver defense so damn bad that it would like, make anybody look good? <laughs> well, no, I, that's a bad thing. Denver was sending a lot of pressure now. They were blitzing a lot and doing things to, to create pressure uh, because, you know, the, the word on the street is, is Fields doesn't handle pressure well, and that's when he makes mistakes. So they were, they were throwing the pressure at him. So he, mm -hmm. he stepped up to the plate. You can't take the good performance away from him. I don't care who they're playing. Yeah, Denver gave up 70, but that team that scored 70 out of got their ass kicked by Buffalo by 28. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, so, how about that? <laughs> uh, 48 to 20. Wow. So, you know, it, it's in this league, last week doesn't mean shit. And people try to do that. You're game planning for the team you're playing that week. And what happened the week before means absolutely nothing. Yeah. yeah. I, each, I game has, each game has its own identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so you hopefully uh, – well, one of the things I wanted to ask you about Justin Fields' performance is that it was difficult for him to run the ball. And so it appears that defensive coordinators looked at the tape over the offseason and have figured out – they've told their defensive – defensive ends do not lose containment do not let him go outside and so they've effectively at least now until another idea perhaps by the offense they've effectively cut off fields running uh capabilities you know it's going to be on scramble plays where he's going to make the big yards but on design plays it appears that that's not going to work any longer do you agree with that assessment yeah but they're also assigning a spy yeah. You know, so it's, and it's linebacker and wherever fields goes, you go, mm -hmm. you know, so they're changing up their scheme and it's yeah. obviously got to be an athletic linebacker. Yep. It's happened every game, you know, so, it, and, and that's not going to change until fields does something else. Mm -hmm. Looks like my dog is crying and I'm trying to figure out what, what's wrong. What's wrong with you? Are you upset with the Bears? <laughs> um, let me play a quick commercial. And well, no, it looks like he's going to settle down. Sit, right. sit there. <laughs> uh oh, when he barks at me, he needs to go out. I got to let him out. I'll play a quick commercial and be right back. Okay. okay? Sounds All good. Right. Here we go. Let's see if I got one here. Yeah, this one. What was the motivation to get into scouting? I guess I've been analytical. Mm hmm. In that area, like even when I was like a a kid, that's Forte's first touchdown, and he autographed it. That's the Pro Bowl players one year. All those are our picks. So it's Briggs, Nate Basher, Tommy Harris. Two things: the bigger ones on top. Mm -hmm. Those were gifts from Parcells when we went to the Super Bowls that he gave all the scouts. The five bears, the bears gave us that. That 
Ted Phillips gave us his opening night at the new Soldier Field. That's Devin's touchdown in the Super Bowl. Devin autographed that. But this is our, our first draft class. I've, I've got more tape that I shot at your house. One of these days, I'm going to sit down and edit that together. When we were down in the basement, you showed me the old 16-millimeter projector, and you shared stories. Yeah. Boy, oh, boy. Great stuff. All right. Where were we? Let's talk. Uh, let's finish our discussion on Justin Fields. What are your expectations against a really good Washington Commanders defense? One that is, we talk about Denver bringing pressure. Chico is going to bring the pressure, too, and he's going to do it with some very talented pass rushers. They got as good a defensive line as there is in the National Football League. And obviously the strong point of this Bears team is not the offensive line. Now, there is a possibility that Tevin could be back this week. He's served his four weeks on IR. I know he's been running along the sideline. I don't know if he's been practicing. They don't have to report that. Right. Um, so, I, you know, I'm going to say it's 50-50 or less because it's a short week. But there is that possibility there. Uh, but they're going to be tough. I mean, you know, the guards got to handle those two tough defensive tackles. They got two good. And, and like I said, that's as good a front four as there is in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. Uh, their offense, if the Bears defense could stop anybody, th- their offense, I don't think is a problem. But here, you know, I, I watched some of that game yesterday, the, the Philly-Washington game. Game was in Philly, and Washington gave them everything they could handle mm-hmm. before they lost in overtime. So, uh, it's, you know, I, I hope that they can come out like they did on, uh, yesterday and start off faster. You gotta, who knows if you're going to have anybody in the secondary back. It's really just four days difference between yesterday and Thursday as far as, so are you going to have Jalen Johnson coming off a hamstring ready? You're going to have Eddie Jackson coming off a foot injury, ready? I would say that's highly doubtful. But And and there's really only one day of practice, and that's tomorrow. Yeah. It's it's a tough, tough turnaround for this team. Uh, Let's talk about the uh, wide receivers. One of the great things about yesterday's game was that we saw DJ Moore used the way we've all envisioned. He was targeted nine times, caught eight passes, 131 yards, a touchdown. By the way, that touchdown, Gene Stenatore, the uh, official CBS hired to uh, explain the rules, he doesn't know the rules. (laughs) DJ Moore, his left, uh, left leg or right leg hit the pylon, and that counts as one foot down, and he had the left foot down him and uh, uh gene said you know uh, yeah you know the pylon doesn't come into play on that he he was wrong wasn't he or am i wrong you know i, I, I the rules are are crazy in this league. Oh, supposedly yes. got it now the left foot i thought from when they were showing that view from the end zone the other mm-hmm. end zone mm-hmm it looked like the left foot did not touch the ground. But when they showed the original replay play, which is more of a side view, it looked right. like the left foot skimmed the ground. Hmm. Okay. And, you know, the officials are going to see that, and, and they didn't overturn the call. 
So mm -hmm. regardless of what Gene thinks, it was called a touchdown. It, and, it, you know, it could have gone either way. I personally thought it was a touchdown. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it, you know, I think if they overturned it, they could have done that. But it would have been, and reality is it would have been too hard to overturn. Yeah. All right. So let me get to uh, Cole Komet's performance. Uh, he was, he caught seven passes on nine targets, 85 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he had a quarterback sneak, by the way, they brought that play back and said, <laughs> to prove to everyone that play can work. We can't pick up a first down with Cole in the center. Um, I, you know, to me, this was a huge positive about Sunday's disappointing loss is that you got two very important pass receivers involved in the game. And Darnell Mooney, I believe, caught five passes and got involved as well. So I got to tell you, it appears, and this is a very su superficial uh, statement, I, I realize that, but it appears that this team might be better off without Chase Claypool in the locker room. Your thoughts on the Chase Claypool situation? Oh, I don't know if it has anything to do with Chase in the locker room, but they played better on the field. Mm -hmm. And uh, EQ made some plays. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that one catch he made was a hell of a catch. So, but let, let's get back to, well, look, Komet first. That's what Komet should be doing every week. Yes. He be a focus of the offense to get him the ball. He's sure-handed, and he's a bitch to bring down. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not Jason Kelsey who's going to get you 20 yards. Yeah, you know, I, I, just speaking of Kelsey, I just, it, I can't figure out why nobody can defense this guy. He's <laughs> always wide open. I mean, yeah. nobody within yards of him. And it's like, how do they not cover this guy? They know he's going to get thrown to at least 10 times a game. Yes. I don't get it. I don't get it. I would have my, you know, top safety just following him all <laughs> everywhere, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it's baffling how – and it can't be his great route running because a lot of times, like I say, he comes off the line of scrimmage and he's all by himself. Yep. Like, Indeed. What the hell are you doing? But anyway – Komet should be doing that every week. So he's got to be a focus of the offense. That's got to be part of your game plan. Yeah. That, like I said, I had no complaints with the play calling for the first two thirds of the game. They're spreading the ball around. Yep. The run good. The runs were good. I mean, hey, we're happy. Yep. We thought we were going to have a good show today. And, yeah. and you know, <laughs> everything went to shit. But, it's Greg, at one point, I counted 10 different Bears had touched the ball, and this was in sometime early, mid-third quarter. Yeah, 10 different Bears. That was beautiful. That's a great thing. Now, as far as Claypool, and I've always stood up for Claypool, and part of the reason I stood up for Claypool is because I know those people in Hallis Hall that make decisions were standing up for Claypool based on conversations I have. Okay. And I know what his talent was coming out of college, and he's still that talented. Mm -hmm. There's something missing, and it's from here up. It, you know, yep. it, it's not the physical part. It, it, it's in the brain. I don't know what it is. You know, it, Justin said, we talk all the time, and I tell him these things he's got to work on. I don't mm -hmm. know if you saw that, that quote from Dustin. And I did. 
he, to me, that was telling. You know, so they, I, I think he's liked by his teammates. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's liked by his coaches. I can't tell you what the front office thinks. Um, it, it's, it turns out to be a waste of trade. So that's a black mark against Ryan. And I know back in January, he said, if I had to do it all over again, I would have done it. Right. You know, so uh, it didn't work out the way they wanted. <laughs> that does happen. I mean, you know what? It, well, I mean, we made our fair share of mistakes when I was there too, but though there are a lot less than the one good moves we made. Indeed. Uh, so it's, you know, I do I think he'll get traded? I don't know if anybody would give anything for him. You know, because they, they, what they're going to say is, why should I give up something when they're going to cut him? Yeah, exactly. He, he is going to be released by the Chicago Bears. That that appears to be his future. And just for, for people who may not know, after the game yesterday, Matt Eberflus was asked a series of questions about Chase Claypool. Why wasn't he on the sideline and so forth? And then he said that he was not given permission to go home. Today on one of his paid-for radio appearances, he said that after the game, he was, you know, the word he used was, wasn't wasn't flustered, but he was kind of, you know, just coming off the emotional loss and so forth. He's, people are firing questions, and he said he misstated. The Bears did indeed tell Chase Claypool to go home yesterday, and actually a media relations person for the Bears started to tell people or reporters that in the locker room yesterday. So uh, the whole situation on top of the Allen Williams situation, on top of uh, the quarterback making comments about the coaching staff, Greg, in your experiences, you know, working for the Bears, following the Bears, have you ever seen such dysfunction over such a short period of time? In all honesty, no. And we had it in 2003. You go back to 2003, we lost five out of our first six. Now, you know, 2001, we came in in 2001 with the idea that because the Bears had been terrible the previous years and the previous player personnel regime was let go and led by Mark Hatley, and I think in in fairness to Mark, may rest in peace, was that Mark wanted out of Chicago. You know, he had some problems with the media here, um, and it it got very, very personal, and he just, he wanted the hell out of here. Uh, And and it was, you know, a change was needed. Um, and, and, And we came in, we were told, because we didn't come in until June, so we were told that, you know, things got to stay status quo for the 01 season. Mm-hmm. So you can't make the coaching change in June. So, right. uh, but we were under the impression that we could make a change after the season. So that's our thought process through the first half of the season. and And we're researching people to potentially interview at the end of the season Mm -hmm. and, you know, doing a a very thorough job on top of having to go out in the road and scout players and everything else. Well, 
lo and behold, I mean, we start winning games. We end up winning the division. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, wasn't changing the coach. You had to give him an extension, <laughs> which we knew wasn't the right thing to do. But how do you, you just can't do that. The guy wins 12 games and, and 12, 13 games, you can't say see ya. You know, but two the next year it started going downhill, and then you know I think the the first game of the year in '03 we lost like forty nine to seven out in San Francisco or something like that. We lost five out of our first six, so it was very very similar to what you're wow. you're yeah. seeing right here right now. And Indeed. so I've lived it. I you know I know what it's like, but I, I don't think there was ever a thought during the year that, and, and I'll go back a little bit because after that 49 to seven loss to, to San Francisco, I said, Jerry, you got to let him go. Meaning Dick Tron. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, it's just not the right thing to do. I, I can't do it. And he, you know, we, we played through the season and we got into the second half of the season and we, Knew it was going to be awful. So, again, we were in research mode mm-hmm. on people. But uh, the big thing about changing a coach, and I got a ton of questions on Twitter yesterday, and there's people just commenting. They all got to be fired right now. Okay, I get it. You're unhappy. You're pissed. They've lost, I don't know, 55 games in a row, something like that. And you want change. Here's the question, and nobody has the answer. Who the fuck are you going to replace them with? Excuse my French. Mm-hmm. You know, because it it's somebody on the staff? Who? Who's qualified on this staff to be the coach? Some people said Hightower. Well, you know, that would be the only guy left. He's, he's a coordinator, and he's been a coordinator for a long time. Special teams coordinator. Does he have the leadership skills that are needed to be a head coach and oversee all three phases of the game? I don't have the answer to that. I don't know because I don't know the man. Um, You know, so it's a very, very hard thing to do. If you had somebody on the staff that could do it, that'd be different. But when you don't, then it's like, you know, what are we going to do? So somebody says to me, well, bring back Lovey. Well, you know, I love Lovey, but let's look at Lovey's career since Lovey left here. He's had three head coaching jobs and he's failed in all three of them. Is he all of a sudden going to find magic? Now he, you know, he wouldn't change the scheme or anything because it's, it's, it's his scheme and he'd probably have Hoke along with himself uh, run the defense and, you know, Hoke was here on Lovey's staff for a few years. So, you know, he, he's very, very familiar with it. And he's been a coordinator in the league. Mm-hmm. So in fact, I think it was at Houston. He was a coordinator for a number of years. You know, the offense, who are you going to run the offense? If you change offensive coordinators at this time of the year, Janaco. Well, the best of my ability, this is the highest position Janaco's held 
as a coach at the NFL level, being the quarterback coach. You know, so who's to say he can even handle that situation? I'm not saying he can't, mm-hmm. but do you understand where I'm going with all this? A- absolutely. absolutely. You know, so it, it's like, hey, it it is what it is. If you had a guy on the staff who had that experience, um, then, you know, it'd be a lot easier to do it. Look, let's take Indianapolis last year. The owner decides he wants to make a change. He had nobody on that. Well, he actually had uh, some people on that staff that he could have done it, but he brings in an ex-player, Jeff Saturday, who's never coached a day in his life. And why did he do that? Because he was a great leader. Mm-hmm. And he hoped that the leadership skills would help. It didn't. It was still a disaster. So that would be, you know, Mark says Olin Krutz. That would be a kind of a similar situation. We all love, or most of us love Olin Krutz. But him taking over a head coaching job, an interim head coaching job, that probably would be a disaster. Sorry, Olin. <laughs> no, I, I, I hate probably... I, I don't think that was a fair shot to do that for uh, Jeff Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. And, and you're doing the same thing with Olin. Would Olin demand respect? Yes. Uh, but now, and you got hope to, to potentially run the defense. You'd still have to hire somebody. But here's the thing, too, going forward. Let's say, you, let's just say, okay. Olin took over and he wins six games. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can't just give him a job the next year. You can't say, okay, here you go. We're going to give you a five-year contract. Don't work that way. You got yeah. to go through back to square one and go through the whole hiring process. You've got to interview, you know, a minimum of two minority coaches. Uh, and Olin might, I don't know, because he's a, he's, Pollen, Pollen, I don't know if he would count as a minority coach. I I think he would. Uh, well, I forgot what it's called. Pacific Hawaiian. Pacific, yeah. There's there's some his term. Mom is his mom da- is dad's German. Okay. One of the things you, you, you got to go. Right? In other words, you got to go through that that the regulatory uh, NFL hiring process. Now, could you think I want to give this guy the job? Yeah, you can do that. Uh, but you can't run a, a sham on mm-hmm. your thing. And, and, and here's the important thing. It's not just him. It's who the hell is he going to hire as his assistants? Right. Because that's the key. And having never coached outside of Carmel Catholic High at, at Mundelein, what's his knowledge of coaches around the league and, you know, who to hire? Right, right. You know, what, one of the things that I, I posted on social media, uh, I, I think – Ryan Pose can be held accountable for choosing a head coach and two coordinators who didn't have experience in the job that they were hired to do here in Chicago. And I, I'm not saying that you, you know, that that's a verboten, but it does put you into a position where you've got your your triad of decision makers, making huge decisions and not having had those life experiences as a head coach or as a coordinator before making those decisions. I'm not saying that's that's a that's a deal killer, but it does 
hurt and it's really hurting now. You had one guy who who couldn't live up to the responsibility of being a coordinator for whatever reason. We can speculate whatever. But now he's gone. You've got an offensive coordinator who has never worked with a quarterback like Justin Fields. He's only worked with Aaron Rodgers at the NFL level, or at least for the last several years. And then you have a head coach who has never been a head coach before. So I think that's that's that was a no-no for Ryan Pose. He should have said one of these coordinators, Matt, has to have somebody, has to be somebody with NFL experience at that position. What do you think of that? Well, it's good thoughts. I'm going to just argue or not argue. Mention a couple things, please. Number one, contractually speaking, the the general manager hires the head coach the head coach hires the coordinators. Okay. So, and, and unless it's not specifically in his contract, that's how it works. So now in saying that he, it's during the interview process, he's already, he's asked, you know, what's your staff going to be? Right. And, you know, he was on record as saying, wait a minute, now you had to let a dog out. Now I got to let a dog out. One second. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Chicago's Finest is telling me that Allen Williams was Leslie Frazier's defensive coordinator in Minnesota. So he had experience as a defensive coordinator. So Chicago's Finest, thanks for letting me know that. I, I, so I stand corrected on that. Um, I'll, I'll just let uh, Greg know once he puts on his ear pods here. Uh, Greg, hey, I think. I've been corrected real quickly. Apparently, Alan Williams was a DC for Leslie Fleur Frazier back in the Vikings days. Um, anyways, please go ahead. Okay, so, but he he had worked with Alan Williams. Alan Williams was his DB coach at um, Indianapolis for the four or five years. Flus was there, uh, so we had a good feeling with that. I personally thought that. Flus was going to be more involved in the defense than he was until mm-hmm. just the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the offensive side, he specifically wanted somebody who ran that Shanahan offense. And so that was Getsy. You know, as you recall, he, he, he brought in Pep Hamilton to, to interview for the job and, uh, he basically told Pep, you know, Pep had a good interview and I talked to Pep right after. Um, not exactly what I'm looking for for the offensive uh, playbook, so to speak. So, you know, Pep doesn't get the job. Now, look at hindsight. And it's not that I want to stick up for Pep, but Pep had been a coordinator at the NFL level a couple times for multiple years, been a head coach, be at the XFL and been a coordinator at the college level. So if, and I worked with him when he was a quarterback coach here and then the XFL, he's the head coach. Okay. And he, I wonder what the hell my dog's barking at. Oh, well. Chase um, Claypool. I'm sure Chase Claypool's in the neighborhood somewhere. Probably. So <laughs> it's, 
let's say Pep was the OC and this was going on. Well, I wouldn't be happy with Pep if, if this was going on and he was the OC, but he could be a guy that could take that head interim job. You know, and, and you know you're in good hands because he's got the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fans who would love to see Pep Hamilton here. And uh, Jordan just asked a question. Uh, can you confirm, Greg, that the relationship between Pep and Jim Harbaugh is amicable after their Michigan tenures? Would he work with Jim again? And just for the record, those who don't know it, Greg is not a Jim Harbaugh fan. But there's the question. Anyway. I can't answer that with um, Harbs and um with Pep, I know, you know, when we were, had the XFL team, you know, you did a lot. The, the only time we were in DC was once training camp started. And um, let me take care of him. I'm sorry. Let me just You're see back. Absolutely. Make sure your dog is fine. Again, that is Bennett, not really Chase Claypool barking. Uh, Bennett is a huge, monstrous dog, and uh, he's very well trained. So if he's barking, he might be needing to go outside or or whatever. But nonetheless, uh, lots of great comments today. We've got 265 people watching live on YouTube, tube, another 100 or so on uh, on X. And I don't know the number on Facebook, but many more. And then uh, thousands will be watching on demand. And we appreciate every single one of you. And I go back and read the comments that are left after the show. So keep those coming. And if you got questions for Greg, uh, please fire away. I've got three in the queue now and we'll add more as your questions come in all right uh so let me ask uh mike it's Withrow. gotta be dogs gotta go out today yeah absolutely <laughs> my dog is now outside i hopefully he's okay out there but uh oh, my, mike wants mine's to, outside too. <laughs> mike has the longest let's get back let's get back to jordan's yeah, question i i don't know uh, you know, what the relationship is with Pep and Harbaugh. I assume it's good. Um, his daughter goes to Michigan. Uh, I don't know if Michigan is recruiting his son. He's got a bunch of scholarship offers. He's only a junior right now, but I don't know if, uh, if Michigan's one of the schools that has offered a scholarship. Uh, but let's talk about Harbaugh for a second. The last mm -hmm. two off seasons, Harbaugh's been begging to get a job in the NFL. That, that's the word behind the scene. I mean, begging. Okay. Nobody wants him. Because? A weird dude. Very weird. Strange guy. And, you know, what he did in San Francisco, that was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he's been in the college game ever since. And it's just, you know, our, our players, college players can respond to him. That doesn't mean a pro player is going to respond to him. And like I say, he's a, he's a different guy. I wouldn't touch him. They didn't even, hey, last spring, they didn't even interview him in January. Right. Right. Okay. And and he thought he had one job locked up. 
didn't even get interviewed. Oh, no, he got an interview and never got called back for a second one. And he thought he had it locked up. But he wants out of Michigan. Yeah, and the reason he wanted out was because of the suspension that I think is about over now. But the, No, the, it is the, over. He's, he's back on the sidelines. But it's just that and some other things that were going on. And, and um, you know, I think he's had his fill of the college game and recruiting is tough now and especially with nil it's just mm -hmm. made it big, but don't ever i won't be a fan if harbaugh was the head coach just i i detest the guy jay sanders says well ditko wasn't the most sane guy and he had success totally different personalities mm-hmm so when you say that Harbaugh is crazy, can you kind of give us more of an inkling as to what that means? As he, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get into that. Just that you know, I, I don't think that pro players in today's game would respond to him very well. Mm -hmm. Okay, and like well, I say, if he's been a success at Michigan. Nobody mm -hmm. in the NFL wants him. I'm not saying here, here, nobody. There's been jobs open. They don't want him. Mm -hmm. uh, Jordan says, does Greg not see Jim's tenure at Michigan as merit-worthy? I think he just answered that question. It, 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 you do think it's merit-worthy, but maybe you know NFL owners don't see it that way. They don't want to have anything to do with it. There's been, when I say he's been begging, he's been begging. He's been trying to get out of there for two years mm -hmm. and trying to get in the NFL. And no team has said, oh, okay, come on, Jim. Now, <laughs> there's a reason for that. Yeah. yeah. He's had success at Michigan, and they want no part of him. Uh, Tareen has uh, just informed us that the Bears press conference is now live. We will monitor it on this end, and if any of the, any important news gets across, I will uh, flash it up on the screen, and we'll cover it in more detail tonight on Buffon 55. I got questions and lots of questions. So Free Palestine wants to know, what are your thoughts on Chase Claypool being released? Do you think he should be released? Yeah, I, yeah. right now, yeah, if – if he's become a distraction, mm -hmm. then yes. And he's not giving you it, – it, it's not really going to cost him anything. It costs him his salary. So, I mean, it, it's uh, – that part, it's not like you're going to get a big cap hit or anything like that because he wasn't extended. Um, but, like I say, if he's becoming a distraction in the locker room, it sounds as if – the players like him, but I can't mm -hmm. say that definitively. I know Justin is standing up for him. Uh, I can't say that about the other guys. But like I, I, we said earlier, he, he there's obviously a disconnect between him and the coaching staff, and yeah. for whatever reason. So, um, and and. It, Said there, Chase Play, Claypool told him this morning. Actually, I think he told him Saturday, but you know, who knows exactly what the timing was because he told him on Saturday not to show up on Sunday. But that came out on well, he had his own opportunity, you know, he could have come if he wanted to, and you know, so that 
as a big boo-boo on, on Flus's part. Mm. Yeah, and I had a, a debate with someone, although the guy was not uh, kind in any way. Um, I, I, I want to know, because uh, Luke Getze said that it is Coach Iberflus and the general manager who make this, the decisions as to who is active and inactive. And it seemed to me that if those decisions are going to be made on Sunday, that the last person that should be involved in making that decision is the general manager because the coordinators are instilling the, the, the game plan, the scheme. Right. And, and so I can see the general manager blessing it and asking or asking questions first and then blessing it. But to me, uh, uh, the last guy that should be making decisions on who should be active and inactive should be the general manager. That should be the head coach and the coordinators. What do you think? In, in all honesty, I don't know if polls has a say in that. Uh, generally speaking, coach ha or the head, the general manager has control over the personnel on the team. The coach has control on over who plays. Mm -hmm. And that's as long as I've been involved in the league, that's been the way it is. Uh, could he make suggestions? You know, I'd, I'd like to see this person up this week. Yeah. But I don't think, and, and really in reality, I don't know if Getsy really knows. Yeah, sure. I'm sure, you know, Flus and, and polls discuss it. But in most cases, and again, it's, it, it's a contractual thing. So, you know, if, if it's in Flus's contract that he is, uh, you know, going to make those decisions. He's going to make those decisions. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. Now we got here designated return to practice this week. Well, yeah, there is Tevin no Jenkins, yeah, yeah, there <laughs> yeah. is no practice. It, it's a walkthrough on on very light walkthrough type, a little more than walkthrough, but not much more. The thing with Tevin is. And if they've got once he's been designated to return, you got three weeks to bring him back, or else you mm -hmm. got to put him back down. Mm -hmm. And this week, if he would have practiced last week, I would say he's going to play this week. I know right. he was running on the sideline, but as far as if he wasn't designated to practice, then he did not practice at all last week. Is he an upgrade over Cody Whitehair right off the bat? Yes, but he still hasn't played in, what, five weeks now? Yeah. Really six weeks because it was the uh, – he had a week between uh, opening game. and He didn't play in the last preseason game. And then you had uh, a week between the last preseason game and the opening week, and he had – and he's missed four opening weeks or four opening uh, – Four weeks of games. I can't even talk today. I'm so frustrated. <laughs> we all are. Swifty says he wasn't eligible to practice last week, but he's been doing conditioning for the last three plus weeks. So I, I would debate that, Swifty, and you may be 100% right, but I think in the third week of a guy on IR, he can be brought back to practice, but I got to double check. Swifty just joined us a little while ago and wanted to know, are you – 
back uh, supporting uh, Justin Fields. Fair question because we've had about a hundred people. Well, join I, us I think I've last. already, I, yeah, I think I've already answered it, but you know, I'll repeat it. I no, you got to see more of what you saw yesterday, right? I mean, was it going in the right direction? Yeah, but you got to see more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not gonna throw that interception all on him, um, and I didn't like the play call where he lost the ball, you know, that, that boot. Awful call. Yeah. So, well, anytime a play goes wrong, it's an awful call, right? I mean, <laughs> that's that's the way it works. Uh, Mike Withrow has uh, issued some very lengthy, wordy posts, but I think that the gist of them is that he believes that the team is tanking. Um, do you believe that? If the draft were to be held tomorrow, the Bears would have the first two picks in the NFL draft. Do you think that perhaps there is a willingness on the part of Ryan Poles to not make any monumental moves because adding two first-round draft picks – in the top five, maybe top two, would be huge for this team to bring in two superstars and a team that doesn't have superstars as of today. Your thoughts? I would say I'm a thousand percent positive nobody's in tank mode. People are trying to save their jobs. Yes, exactly. They want to win. And so they need to win. Perfect example. Put the camera on on poles mm-hmm. up in, in in Bears control. Bears control is right next to the because that's where I used to sit. It's on the opposite side of the field is the where the press box is, which is over mm-hmm. in the corner. It's really where the TV cameras are, and right next to the right of Bears control is the home team radio. So that's there and Joniak. Then the next booth after that is the visiting team radio. And then the next booth is the, is the TV booth, network TV booth. And to the left is instant replay. So, Mm -hmm. but anyway, they, they put the camera on there and, and he's happy and he's joking. And it looks like he was joking with somebody in the, in the radio booth because he was looking in that direction. So that would have either been Thayer or uh, Joniak. But then later on, one of the guys, and I don't know who it was because his face was covered, he's like this. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people thought that was uh, the player. It wasn't Cunningham. It wasn't Cunningham. Josh, Josh Lucas? Was it Josh Lucas maybe? No, Josh Lucas was part of the last regime. Okay. So I got the name wrong. Okay. Anyway, uh, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, I don't know who it was because I couldn't see the face, but, um, you know, Ian was there and it, uh, you know, obviously a totally different mood going on. Mm-hmm. And they weren't. Jeff happy. King. So it was I, Jeff King. Yeah. Jeff okay. King. Uh, but you yeah, can't. That's... You, you, you can't I don't think they're even thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. And anybody who would think about it doesn't understand the mentality of an athlete Mm -hmm. or the mentality of a coach. 
All right, you would lose that locker room faster and faster, fast if you, if the Bears players got a whiff that that was going on. Um, now, what did you make of the decision to elevate Tyson Bajan to the number two quarterback role? Can we read anything into that? Uh, I, th- you know, I, I think they feel he's he's ready. Mm-hmm. What I wonder is even though he's quote number two, is he doing the third quarterback reps? So being the scout team reps and practice, because that's more beneficial to him. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, all right. Let's get to some other questions here. Cornelius uh, says, uh, Greg fields interceptions look like miscommunication to me. What do you think? And I think Komet, uh talked about that yesterday. He detected that the team was uh, the defensive team was in part zone, part man to man. And that fields read it as a zone defense. And that's why Fields threw it to a place where he thought the tight end would be. That kind of miscommunication. Is that on the last mis- interception is referring? Yes. You're referring to that. that okay. That's well what I'm referring I have to. not watched the replay of the game yet. So yeah. I. Um, I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't blame yeah, you. I might not either. <laughs> you know, there's certain tapes you want to burn. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I can't answer it because I haven't watched the. They are, are some of his interceptions bad interceptions, yeah, mm-hmm. good, but I, I can't talk for yesterday, yeah. And uh, according to Jason Leisure of the Chicago Sun Times, in response to questions about Chase Claypool, Ibuflu says that being on time, being respectful, and working hard are core pieces of the organization's standards, so that pretty much answers it. Chase Claypool is a bad apple. Um, can't see him Wait a ever. Put that, put that, say that, but in response to the questions, says he's being on time, being respectful, working hard. It says he's doing everything right is what he's saying. No, I think I think what he's saying is that Eberflus was asked about uh, Chase Claypool, and he says, well, being on time, being respectful, uh, and working hard are core pieces of the standards of this yeah, organization. So that's probably he's either one or all two uh, two or three of those he hasn't been doing. And so they're just kind of fed up with his attitude. Huge investment. They've given him plenty of times. It's just time to move on. And we'd like to see what some of these young players can do. Here's another question for you. Uh, Can you confirm or deny that Ryan Poles hired Flus willingly? That's from J2K. As far as I know, Poles, that was Poles' pick. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he was pre-interviewed by uh, Bill Polian and the search right. committee. And so they had his interview recorded on Zoom. Uh, Polls said that he watched that interview and that Eberflus was already on his list of potential candidates. And then Polls went on to say that as soon as Eberflus walked into the room, he had a gut feeling, this is my guy. And that's how he followed up. So um, I'm sure I, I'm sure Polian push for him, but I'm hoping that the Bears gave Ryan Poles full autonomy in making the decision. As far as I know, he had, that was his guy. Okay. And Uh, you you just look at the, you know, go back to the day he got hired and you watch the relationship. They've been hand in hand. mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. so the, um, the hard part is, is that 
if and I'm you know because I don't know what's going on right now. Yeah. And you know, so I'm going to throw a dart at the wall a little bit here. But the hard part is, does he still feel that way? Yeah. You know, right. when he had that prompt to presser a couple of weeks ago, he was still standing on the table. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I wonder if he's still standing on the table. Yeah. Well, you've got to give him pause. Uh, I think it was Mike Henneman. Yeah. Mike Henneman says if we get the first overall pick, there's no way the Bears would choose Justin over Caleb Williams. Your thoughts? I think Caleb Williams is. And I, I wrote him up for uh, Windy City Gridiron. And to me, he's a more mobile Patrick Mahomes. Now, you go back and, and say, well, Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes still didn't go to a 10th pick in the draft. And there were some people that thought he was more like a 15 to 20 because you got to compare what he did in college, mm-hmm. not what he's done as a pro. And part of that is Andy Reid. But Caleb Williams has got a lot of special. Uh, he's got excellent arm strength, reads the field well, maneuverability is excellent. Now I got a dog barking who wants to come in the house. <laughs> you want to let him in? <laughs> Just take you a second. The door's right there. No problem. Yeah, make sure you check out Greg's articles over at WindyCityGridiron.com. I think he does two articles a week, and I just spotted this uh, tweet from Patrick Finley with the Bears. Uh, Coach Matt Eberflus go for it on fourth and inches again. He said he would. I, again, don't think that was the best decision. Take the lead. Take the three-point lead and and give the game over to your defense. I know that the Denver Broncos offense was playing really well in that second quarter, but you got to take the lead. And so there it is. I was just commenting on uh, this tweet from Patrick Finley. He, the, the question was asked to Eberflus, would he go for it on fourth and inches again? And he and Eberflus said that he would. I just disagree with the call. But uh, he's, he's, the he's he he made the call, so he's gonna he's, he's gonna, gonna stick gonna second, Yeah, he's not gonna second guess himself, yeah. but he should. He just said, "Yeah, I should have <laughs> yes, right. kicked the field goal." Exactly. Hey, you kick the field. You, you got a very accurate field goal kicker. And they were in that gimme range. Mm -hmm. So you kick the field goal, you're three points up. Okay, so they got to score a touchdown Mm -hmm. to win or to go ahead. And and, uh, a field goal only puts it into an overtime situation. You, I, I, I think from an analytical point of view, you kick the field goal all the time on that one. Yep. Uh, over and over and over again. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, Alfred wants to know, Gabriel, as a fan, is it crazy to feel like the Bears are effing J- JF1 over, or is he doing it to himself? <laughs> I, that, yeah, I think I've answered that a thousand times over the last couple of weeks. Yes, you have. A lot of this is on him. <laughs> you know, and, and he's the guy who's got a you know, process the information, read the defense, get the throw off on time, not be afraid, afraid to make a throw. 
and and do what he's capable of doing, and he hasn't done that. So that's on him. Now, mm-hmm. yesterday you saw it was like a different player. Like, who's this guy? And mm-hmm. you know, there there was times in those first three games, it was almost like he's a rookie and and it's like a deer in headlights. Yeah. Swift you know, makes a oh, really good point here. Okay. I, I, I was just saying Swift uh, makes a really good point. It's, you know, the fourth and inches would have been more acceptable if they were doing it from under center as opposed to the shotgun. Um, I'm not sure why Luke Getzi loves to run the ball out of the shotgun on fourth and short or third and short plays. I, yeah, I, I could agree with that. Now, it's what your play call going to be. Now, if mm-hmm. I'm going to the, – they're expecting an inside run, and we've already played that play over four or five times. Mm-hmm. And, and the way they were uh, slanting in, if you fake to the – you know, do an RPO type thing, and he fakes and then takes off, be it left or right, um, you know, his chances of getting the first are a lot better – than just handing the ball off. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, let's see, I got some more questions I want to get to. And uh, Jordan asked a really good one here. Um, it's not Bears related, but can you talk a little bit about the college quarterbacks that you've written up uh, over at Windy City uh, Gridiron? Uh, who is, who, who's really stood out to you? Uh, any traits? Uh, among these Bears quarterbacks that might make them desirable for the Chicago Bears organization well, only, if if they decide to move on? I've only done two extensively. I've done more than that, but not enough to to have a, a really good opinion. The other one is Drake May, and I think Drake May is damn good. Um, his numbers this year are not as good as last year as far as TDs to um, – interception ratio last year. I think he had 39 TDs and five interceptions, which is mm-hmm. excellent. Uh, completed 66% of his passes through for over 4,000 yards this year. He's upped his completion percentage to 72 and a half, I think, but he's only mm-hmm. had five TDs and four interceptions. Now I say he had the four interceptions in two games and my opinion of of those four, two are on him and two weren't on him. Uh, nonetheless, they're in the stat book. But I, I think he's got some special. If if Caleb Williams isn't in this draft, he could be the top quarterback. He's got he's got mobility. He doesn't have Fields or Caleb Williams mobility. Now, and and just talking about Caleb, say to Justin. Caleb Williams isn't anywhere near as fast as Justin Fields, but he's got real quick feet and escapability and ability to move around and keep plays alive in the pocket. And he's got a feel for pass rushers. That's rare. Uh, And then, you know, some of the passes he makes, he attempts and then makes, you know, you're like, what the fuck type plays. You know, I mean, just wild plays. Um, yeah, and he, and he makes all the easy throws. So, you know, I, I think he's rare. Um, I said 
in my thing on Windy City, I think he's the best quarterback prospect since uh, Andrew Luck. You know, I, I think he's better than than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I would compare Drake May to Trevor Lawrence. Drake May, I compare to Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert. Wow. wow. Drake May is a good, good player. And he doesn't have anywhere close to the supporting cast at Carolina that uh, Caleb Williams has at USC. Not that I am a proponent of the Bears trading Justin Fields, at least until we, we get to see him play more. But if uh, his trade value was probably a, a day three pick, do you think his performance yesterday might have some offensive coordinators and head coaches saying, wow, I'd love to get my hands on Justin Fields, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll gladly turn over a second-round pick for Justin Fields? you think that's a possibility? Oh, yeah, it's a, definitely a possibility. It, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on, I mean, obviously the GM is going to have a say in it, but the the people who are coaching them are going to have a say. Mm-hmm. And so it's what do, what does the head coach think? What's the OC think? What's the quarterback coach think? And, it, you know, you could be a, you know, have a love fest and you could have a guy that said, God, what I could do with this guy, you know, and, and that drives value up. Yeah. Um, got two more questions here. I'd like to share with you. T3P podcast. Greg, do you think Flus has been given a fair opportunity? That's a great question because he was handed a gutted roster last year. Roquan Smith, who was a very good linebacker and Danny Shimon pointed out yesterday that the bears defense has played much worse since the departure of Roquan Smith, even with Tremaine Edmonds replacing him this year. So it has Flew's been given an unfair opportunity because of the roster he's been given by his general manager. Well, it's it's not just uh, Roquan. You know, he had Quinn last year, at least for, up until the trade deadline, right before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in fairness, Quinn didn't do anything, and then he got traded to Philly, and he didn't do a damn thing there. It's like he fell off a cliff, and he's not in the league right now. Uh, and that's just weird. How do you go from 18 and a half sacks one year to not being able to play the next year, unless you're just not taking care of yourself? I think there's some mental health issue. Uh, I remember, I sort of remember reading and I apologize to Robert Quinn if I'm incorrect, but I think there's something going on from a mental health situation that's keeping him off the field. That I, you know, I couldn't tell you, but I just don't, nobody has even attempted to sign him and he's what yeah. 34 years old or something. So, you know, he's not going to get an opportunity again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is for sure. Um, Matt asked an interesting question. Was Chase Claypool wrong for pointing out coaching for, for being an issue for his lack of productivity? Um, yeah. You know, coaches seldom if ever throw a player under the bus. Mm-hmm. Works both ways. Yeah. 
Exactly. I mean, Eberflus uh, has been very diplomatic when talking about Chase Claypool over the last several weeks. Uh, he could have easily have thrown Claypool under the bus, talked about his lack of work ethic and so forth, but he didn't. And then uh, Claypool, for some reason, says that there's no, a problem it, with how like he's being handled. It. It's a two-way street, you know, and... Mm-hmm. and some people got to think before they talk. Yeah, Part exactly. Part of it's the position, the position he plays. Wide receivers are, are just <laughs> divas. You know, and sometimes, you know, the media makes a lot more out of it. I'm not referring to Claypool in this one. You know, like with uh, Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. That was a media-driven controversy with him in Buffalo. Not, mm-hmm. it wasn't real. Yeah. Jordan says, I mean, Claypool answered a question. You want him to lie? I think the, the, the issue here, Jordan, is that you want him to spin it. You know, the, this isn't, you know, he, he's not a political figure where we're asking for the truth. He, he's an employee of an organization. And when you're dissing the people that report to you, it, it's not a wise idea. He should not have said that. He should have diplomatically said, listen, I'd like to be uh, used uh, differently, but I'm always going to do what the coaches do. And I'm going to do it 100 percent. Next question. Uh, as well, and you know to- what happens then? It, it takes it off of him and puts it on the coaches without putting it on it, without saying it. Right, right. There's just smarter ways to do this. And I, I, when, Greg, when you were uh, with the Bears organization, did the communication staff ever consult with players? Hey, here's what the media is talking about. We suggest you handle it this way. Or is everybody out there on their own without any media training? You know, I don't recall. In all in all fairness, uh, I'm going to say that in probably some touchy situations, there might have been, and, and I'll give you one example, um, a Tank Johnson situation where, uh, you know, his friend got killed and, and you know, club downtown and, you know, just stuff like that, that you know, there may have been some stuff going on. Hey, look, at say this, don't say this, yada, yada. But could I say that I knew there was specific training? I don't know that. But in saying that, part of it, you do have a little bit. You got rookie school going on during the OTAs period. You know, they can report on the 15th of May and they're here a week, week and a half after the veterans leave and they're not practicing. Mm -hmm. And and they have like every afternoon you're out of the building, say by, by two o'clock, but the rookies are there till five 30 or six because they've got like classroom work and they've got different speakers coming in. And some are talking about, you know, how, how, how to save your money, how to use your money wisely, uh, look for apartments, just living skills. And, and there's also part on, on what you say and what you don't say in the media. You know, it's so they're basically trying to help them to learn how to be pros, 
or to start mm -hmm. off their professional career. Good stuff. I appreciate that, letting us know about that. Swifty has a question. Travis Gibson, people are blaming polls for cutting him, but if the coaches didn't want him and listed him last on the depth chart, what was polls supposed to do? You Any thoughts on that? Well, if polls wanted him, he's got control over the 53. Mm -hmm. Now, in saying that, you force a player on a coach, it's never going to work. But there's two guys that are gone. One is on a practice squad. The other, the, the other one's on a 53, Gibson and, and the other defensive end. And they had a, their pass rush during the preseason wasn't good. It was excellent. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's something that you could could have been used. I mean, I remember doing preseason games. I I thought. Travis was a lock mm -hmm. to make the, the way he was playing. I, you know, I knew the gun was to his head because they didn't like the way he played last year. And I didn't like Paul's statement. He wasn't a scheme fit. Why wasn't he a scheme fit? He's athletic. He's the right size. He can play the run. You know, um, they didn't want him for whatever reason. All right. And just for the record, Travis Gibson has been active for two games for the Titans. He's played a total of 10 snaps and has a sack. Um, I think that's going to wrap up I'll this take episode. a sack at 10% of the time. <laughs> How about it? <laughs> we've, we've got two sacks in four games as a team. <laughs> that is wild. Hello, Mac had six yesterday. Can you imagine that? He has... Oh, my gosh. Three times I had to do the math. It took me a while. Three times the amount of sacks of the entire Chicago Bears team. He had six in one game. And the same thing with David Montgomery. He had uh, three touchdowns against the Green Bay Packers last Thursday night, and he had two in his four-year career with the Chicago Bears against the Packers. It just is uh, – Greg, uh, do you believe in superstitions and voodoo? Because I do believe that the Chicago Bears mm -hmm. have been cursed somehow. <laughs> really. I, I, got, I don't know. Got what, what, what did you do in your previous life to, to create this <laughs> curse? Yeah, I wonder if it was Mike Ditka not giving the ball to Walter Payton so he could score a touchdown in the '85 Super Bowl, and the and somebody and from the, the ghost Payton. of Walter is uh... <laughs> yes, I, he's, saying, he's doing something because this has turned really comical. Uh, what, what the Bears have been doing? Any final thoughts before we get you out of here, sir? Ah, uh, not really. I, you know what? It's it just. It's disheartening. It's getting hard to even talk about it. You know, you can't get enthused. Yeah. You try to be honest to give answers. Um, and like we were talking about, you know, making a change in the coaching staff or whatever, you know, I, I tried to use my experience from the past that it's not an easy thing to do. And you can't just, if you're going to fire somebody, you better have a plan mm -hmm. for the rest of the season because there's there's still 13 more games to go mm -hmm. and you've got players in that locker room that are playing for their career All right yes, you indeed. know so there's, a, there's an absolute there's a lot to think about on that 
Yeah, and when you look at this schedule, after this Thursday's game, we've got two back-to-back home games, the Vikings and Raiders. And boy, oh boy, those would be great uh, home wins if they can turn this thing around. And uh, what are your expectations for Thursday night's game? Given the matchups on paper, uh, this doesn't look like the Bears' uh, best matchup uh, on paper, at least. I think it's, you know, the offense for Washington doesn't do a whole lot for me, but their their defensive front, I think, is going to eat up this offensive line. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be tough. The camp, the commanders on average are allowing five sacks per game, uh, primarily because Sam Howell, their quarterback, has been holding the ball too long. So this is an excellent opportunity no, for the Bears. You know, their, left, their left tackle was uh, X Bear. Oh, come on. I like Charles Leno. So do I. He's, you know, when you list all the left tackles in the league, he's somewhere smack in the middle, which isn't saying a lot for today's current NFL regarding left tackles and the caliber of play, but it's hard to get a better. He's a rank rank and file tackle in the league. Absolutely. You know, and and he can play. He never misses games. Mm Mm-hmm. Son of a bitch is so damn durable. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know, you have to go back and look, but I don't think he's missed a game in years. Unless he missed one last year and I and I forgot about it. But I know they, they talk about his durability all the time. Yep, I think he's still got that playing streak going. Uh, last question. Tooch wants to know, do you think that the Bears have even considered firing Eberflus Smith season. You think that they, Kevin Warren and Ryan Pose, have gotten into a room together and said, "Well, well, well this is a what you know, if that, situation." That's that's too hard to to answer. It's a guess. Could yeah. The, could, yeah uh, could the conversation have gone on mm-hmm. hypothetically? Of well, do you think you know we ought to make a change? Yeah, but then one thing good about Kevin, and I don't know the man. But he's been with two other organizations mm-hmm. as well as being the commissioner of the Big Ten. He's been around. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a lot more experience coming into this job than, than Ted Phillips had who was learning on the go and an entirely different personality. You know, he's so much more of a people person that Ted could ever think about being. And, mm-hmm. I, and I got along with Ted well. I'm not, but te, I would not say a strong point of Ted Phillips was that he was a real good people person. Mm-hmm. You know, and where I think that is an extremely strong point with Kevin Warren. Yes, and, indeed. And, and he c- can communicate. Um, Look, if those discussions have gone on, do you think we're going to ever find out about it? Of course not. Probably have not. they gone out? I would say the subject has been brought up. Mm-hmm. But in how serious? Because, I, you know, having been in a on a team that's similar, and we're talking 2003, which ended up, we ended up winning six games, I think. Um you know, we we won one out of our first six games. So, you know, a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. 
Go ahead, please. Would I take the Bears GM job? No. Um, but would you take an assistant GM job? Let's say Ian Cunningham at the end of the season leaves the Chicago Bears organization. Ryan Poles calls you up and says, I want you at my side for the 2024 season. You know what the problem is? What would I love to do it? Yeah. The problem is I can't go on the road because of certain health, you know? Yeah. And I mean, for an extended time Mm -hmm. and you got to go on the road. And so, you know, it'd be very difficult. What I like to do, I I can do an awful lot right here where I'm sitting and -hmm. get a lot of work done. Uh, So, you know, no, no team is going to do that. I, you know, I'm, I'm 72 and a half years old. So, uh, you know, there's things I can't do. And, and there's things I don't want to do. And one thing right. I don't want to do, I mean, not only can I not go on the road, I don't want to go on the road. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I like it here at home. <laughs> People have been saying, hey, I got tickets for the Bears camp. No, I like it here at home. <laughs> I'll watch it here at home and turn it it's off. It's like, you know, <laughs> I, I was watching the Ryder Cup yesterday, which is always exciting. Oh, love it. And, you know, there's 50,000 people there or something. And, you know, people say, God, I'd love to go to an event like that. And I'm going, why? You see yeah. one shot every once in a while where you see everything yep. on television. Exactly. Exactly. I've, I've been to PGA tournaments. You can follow one group around or whatever, but mm-hmm. y- you know, you're missing a whole lot more. Oh, absolutely. And if you let's say I, I went to the Western Open and the crowd around Tiger Woods, you couldn't get close to see him swing. You just you know had to peer over people's heads and so forth. I got. Uh, I went to one Western Open where they had the hospitality tent, the uh, VIP tent, whatever it was called, and it was like the 18th hole. So you saw all the players coming in for the for the uh, their their the, the 18th hole, the final hole, and that was fun. But yeah, you miss so much. Um, so I went to an old Western Open. I'll tell you the year. Maybe it was the same year. Wow. Uh, it was 2003. No, I was uh, 1989. Nine and ninety and ninety-one. Those three years. Okay, I was yeah. there because I we I took my daughters and we did follow Tiger. Now I was at the PGA at Medina, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and my buddy had a. They had tents, you know, along the 18th fairway on the right side of the fairway, mm-hmm. and his he had a corporate tent, right at the landing area, the driving landing area. So it mm-hmm. was like, and so you had a great view of the green, great uh, view of the, it, it was ideal. But that, unless you got out, out of that area and walked around, that's all you saw was yeah. playing the 18th hole. And it was a very, very disappointing Ryder Cup for the Americans yesterday. They got off to a horrible start and could not come back. Although they did make it somewhat interesting in the final day, the singles matches. But uh, it, they just they have not won on foreign soil, European soil, in 30 years. 30 That's years. That's amazing. Yep. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Got to change that around. Yeah. I, I, was, yeah, I was thinking about it because, you know, Tiger, being that he's he's won majors and stuff, he's eligible. He's 
captain of President's Cup. He's never done a Ryder Cup. The next one on Floral Soil is 27. I'd rather have him captain on on an away event than a home event. I agree. I agree. I, and, I, and number one, I, I saw the way the team responded to him uh, when he was uh, the captain of the President's Cup team. Mm -hmm. And they were like afraid to lose. <laughs> That's Tiger. <laughs> you know, yes. and, and so it, it's like, if I screw up, he's going to be so disappointed in me. And like, he's the guy, yeah. you know, so yeah. that, I, I think just from that point of view, I, I know we're not talking football, but so what? You got to talk about yeah. something nice. And, and, and <laughs> something from, interesting. <laughs> from that point of view, I'd say, yeah, let's let's see if Tiger can be the guy to break the streak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and or I think break that the he, drought, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, in foreign soil, I think he would take a lot of the uh, attention away from the players, and maybe they could play a little less stress free, because that's the amazing thing for those of people who have never watched the Ryder Cup before. If you love sports, you have to watch the Ryder Cup, at least some of it, because the pressure is so damn intense on these players. And, and, and that's what is the epitome of all sports, is how does the athlete, and I'll call golfers athletes, how do they respond to such incredible pressure? And they're not playing for money. They're playing for pride, national pride, nationalism. It's really a fascinating, fascinating three-day event. Well, they, uh, they don't get paid, but they get, well, 200000 is donated to charities on their behalf for each player. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they get a lot of endorsement money off of this thing. You know, so th there's money they get from being on the team, but they're not – but – you know, go back. They should be paid. That event takes in gazillions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a lot of people making money, and the most important people aren't getting it. Yep, that's very, very true. And by the way, the Ryder Cup in 2027 is in Ireland. Ireland. Uh, I know. I was going to say that. I, I, I looked that. that up, and, and actually, and it's not a links type course. It's a you know course more similar to this one, or when they play it here. You know, mm -hmm. more now they're playing. The next Ryder Cup is at uh, Beth Page Black, which Ooh. is a legs course. Yeah, that's a tough. Now that course is a bitch. <laughs> they failed the U.S. Open once or twice there. Yeah, that's a tough one. All right, everyone. I uh, want to remind you, Buffon 55 tonight at 7 p.m. I've actually got to get some work done in preparation for that show, so I'm off to do that. And I want to thank Greg Gabriel for another incisive look at these Chicago Bears. It is getting tougher and tougher to do these. Hopefully, next time we're together, we're talking about a win because we desperately need one. Take care, Greg. Oh, big time. See you later. All right. Bye-bye.